Welcome to the Bioptimizer's Awesome Health Podcast. And now, here's your host, Wade T. Lightheart. Want awesome health? How about doubling your energy? With our free Awesome Health course, you can get a new video and lesson every single day for 84 straight days. The course covers everything from optimizing your digestion, nutrient intake, correct health issues, including weight, skin, energy, immune system, and so much more. The course could easily be worth two or $300 for, and yet it's 100% free when you go to bioptimizer.com. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S. Dot com. Once you're there, just enter your name and email to get the first three phases of the bioptimization report. You'll get the report immediately and begin getting your video lessons each and every day from there on in. Good afternoon. It's Way T. Lightheart here on the Bioptimizers Awesome Health Podcast. And I'm so excited today because I've got an amazing guest for you. He's a longtime friend of mine, uh, a fellow holistic health practitioner, a, a total I mean, just a savant when it comes to diving deep and getting the extracting the gold out of a, a really just an absolute ton of masters, and he's become one himself. Our guest today, Mr. Ronnie Landis. How you doing, buddy? I am so so good. I'm super excited to be here with you, Wade. I, I thank you for that introduction. That was fantastic. I appreciate that. Now, for, for our listeners, of course, um, and, and I, I hate to steal anybody's thunder, so I, I'd rather uh, for you to kind of describe who you are and what your path or your mission or what it is that you're doing in the world uh, related to holistic health, because I know, or awesome health. Absolutely. Yeah, so I think it's important to, to contextualize that, that question for me is that I was raised as a martial artist. So from the age of four, actually my, and this is a real story, my, my first conscious memory as a child was of the movie Enter the Dragon and of Bruce Lee. So that, that image of like a real life superhero, physical, mental kind of master of philosophy and master of his, the science of his own body and, and the, the dynamic expression that that like archetype was imprinted onto my consciousness from my very first memory, and so that really I I've, I ra- I was raised as a martial artist and an athlete as you know, and I walked mm-hmm. down a path of um, eventually pursuing a professional career, both in basketball and taekwondo. I was a, an Olympic hopeful. Um, in the mid 2000s <clears throat> for Olympic style Taekwondo. And my, my whole dream growing up was to really, now I look back on it, it was really, there was a lot of like a need for significance and need to like represent or to, to explore my human potential. That's really what I feel like drove me. But the vehicle I used was martial arts and eventually became basketball as well. And I paralleled these two passions of mine to the point where it consumed every fiber of me. I looked through the lenses of those trajectories and every single thing I did, which, you know, when I look back, I made a lot of, uh, I guess, what you would call naive decisions. However, because when we're following our dreams, it's so real to us that it, it re kind of, in, uh, what's the word, it reinvents the world around us. And so I feel like that journey really laid 
a powerful kind of foundation for how I go about my life, which is, which is really based on making the courageous decision, making the unpredictable decision, following synchronicity and always going with where my heart is guiding me. So um, that that's the way that I grew up and, and the health thing came in when I was about 19 because I was looking to optimize my performance as any, any athlete that gets into their adult years, you start to realize like, wow, okay, this is the prime of my athletic expression. And there's a little bit of wear and tear that's starting to creep up. And there's Mm -hmm. things that like the reality was like, okay, I'm eating crap and somehow I'm pulling it off, but I can already see that that that's not going to be sustainable. And so that's when I, I started to really reevaluate my, my food and lifestyle choices. And I realized that I need to start entertaining like organic food. And at that time, you know, I had no understanding of vegetarianism or veganism, definitely had no idea about raw food that, you know, something of that kind of, if somebody had proposed that idea to me way back when, I just don't know if I would have even understood what they were talking about, but I slowly got into it. I started to get into whole foods. I started getting into grass fed like chicken and and bacon and stuff. (laughs) I started getting into like raw milk. And then, and then that's when what I believe really is my Dharma or a part of my Dharma is to, to really, um, not preach or prophetize, but to be a role model for plant-based nutrition and in living food nutrition. And that message really came, it got imparted to me a couple of years later when I had my second knee surgery. And then that was the moment where like just a lot of light bulbs went off and I realized, okay, not only is my performance very important, but my recovery now is becoming the main focus of my life. You know, I had two knee surgeries and I didn't know how I was going to pursue my career after that. I was writing on fumes of faith. I literally, like I didn't have any practical strategy. I didn't have the knowledge, but eventually through synchronicity, it started coming into my awareness. And then I found myself just eating fruit and eating vegetables and going to the farmer's market. And then eventually I started to get educated on, you know, raw food nutrition. And I'll tell you what, the biggest epiphany for me that occurred that I think has shaped my direction moving forward was that I had been rehabilitating my knees for at least three or four years, like going to the the physiotherapist and doing all the things necessary as I slowly started to upgrade my nutrition practices. But when I got the message of raw living foods and, and vegan nutrition at the time, it just hit me so deep where I just gave myself to it. I just went completely, completely vegan, no animal products. I got into a 100% raw food diet. I think I'm, I might have gotten into spirulina or something as well. And, and, and I got into barefoot grounding. And that mm-hmm. was the other thing. I started getting my anatomical alignment in my body and my spine and my hips. Started to get that sorted out. And then I noticed in 30 days, I think it was exactly 30 days, I came back from a five-mile run in the hills and the weirdest thing about that weight is that I had been scared to do running of that extent for a number of years. And it was always something, it was something I loved doing. It was like a meditation for me, but I was always scared to do it. And I found myself in the hills running. I don't, I think I forgot that I was even in pain. I think that was really what it was. 
And um, I came back to the car and this, I, after all the endorphins kind of weared out, I came back to reality and I, I just noticed, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not in pain. I, re- I remembered that I used to be in pain. And then I just realized, wait a minute, I start feeling my knees pressing on certain parts to see if there's like any, um, uh, you know, inflammation or anything. And it was the biggest aha moment. I realized, wow, my lot in life doesn't have to be that way. You know, I don't, what has been doesn't have to be what's going to be like, I can change my destiny. And I understood that, but it was happening on a visceral level where I was feeling the reality of that principle. And that was the moment my life changed. I I veered off the path of being an athlete over the next year. I kind of lost the fire for it and I had to reevaluate my life. And then I just decided, okay, well, if I'm not going to do basketball or Taekwondo, then I'm going to be an orator. I'm going to be one of the biggest speakers for this message in the world. And I, and that's how I make decisions. If it's not overarching and super like inspiring, then um, it doesn't necessarily propel me, but that message propelled me. And that was almost 10 years ago. And I've been doing this thing ever since. That's great. There's a lot to pack on there. Uh, unpack. Um, we've got, we've got Bruce Lee. We've got an athletic career. Um, we've got a, a life-changing kind of physical situation. And going back to that, you said that you started to have these knee problems, I guess, when you were 19. Yeah. Where did, where, how, what was the time frame by time, by time when you kind of made this, the started that journey to where you, you kind of came an all in and, and left the athletic career? How long did that take for you? That's a great question. So when I was 19, I had my first, my first injury and it was basically a wear and tear injury. I was just overtraining. Um, and I didn't really understand the concept of rest and, and relaxing that much. <laughs> so everything went into it to the point where my body started to fail me. And um, so from that point, it was about four to five years when it really came through. When I got my second knee surgery done, I healed that very quickly and I went back into my training but I would say a year into raw food is when I was still pursuing a, a professional career as a basketball player at this time. I was a week away from um, uh, a training or a tryout session with one of the professional teams that was having a tryout at the Golden State Warriors gym in Oakland. Mm-hmm. And, and I have to tell you, that was a moment that taught me a lot about the paradox of, of, of life because it was being handed to me all this training, all this preparation, three workouts a day for 10 years. And at that moment, I'm a week away. And I just felt this like this, this fire in me just kind of, um, kind of just watered down. And I came to a place where I told my coach, I said, you know, I don't know what's going on. I've been on this nutrition journey and I've been on the spiritual journey this last year. And I just can't do the tryout. Like I don't have the fire. It doesn't even, I just can't, I can't step up to the plate. And somehow he got that and it it worked out. But there was a point where um, I just felt a little empty because, you know, you form an an identity around, you know, being an athlete or, or spending your life doing something. And all of a sudden there's a fork in the road. So I'd say I slowly started to matriculate 
over because I kind of knew where I was being led, but I had no practical strategy. I had no framework. I had no idea what I was going to do. And then I just decided, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a book. I want to learn so deeply about my interest in nutrition that I'm just going to start writing books about it. Because I figured, you know, like that's the best way to learn anything, right? Full engagement, full immersion. And, um, and I started doing that. And then eventually I decided, you know what, I better start speaking about this. I better start sharing this, this message and start cre- creating a career for myself. Because I knew I wanted to be uh, a world-class speaker speaking on the biggest stages and so I was like, you know, I better just get started. So I, <laughs> it's great. I, I love it. Yeah. Um, that's a big change. So how old were you when you said to your coach, I lost the fire? I think I was 20, I was 24. And, yeah. and how long had you had that coach for? What was a relationship like? Because I know mm. one, of the, one of the things that we really advocate is, is coaching and the importance of coaching. It's a really a special role. What, what was that like for you? To, to, and how, just in your own words. Yeah, no, taking me back through memory lane, it was, um, well, I'll say it this way. He was my third coach in a string of um, basketball skill set coaches that I had um, over the course of about a year and a half. And he was really the one that was able to take me the furthest because I had already created such a healthy foundation. I readjusted all my like shooting and dribbling and all the, the things that I need work with. So when I got to him, it was like ready and he was closer to my age. Um, and he was just, he was a great basketball player himself. So it really, and just a great guy. That was the main thing I realized. It wasn't just a basketball coach, but he was a really authentic and just a great man. He had a daughter, so he was a family man. And one of the things I got from him more than just basketball is he would push me to my limits, but I noticed that I was becoming a better person. I started thinking about things differently because his life was a model of something at the time that I thought that I could probably adopt, you know, being a, being a, a, a basketball trainer or an athletic trainer at the time, that was, that made way more sense than what I do now. <laughs> um, very, very interesting. You make an interesting point there. So mm-hmm. would you say that there was something from the, the, the coaching relationship that you developed that became more attractive than your sport, even though you might not have recognized it? I, I totally, I, I was at that point in my life where it had to be more than just me you know, and it had to be about we. So if I was going to be an athlete, then I needed to use that vehicle as a way to inspire people. That was like the drive. Once I was like 21, 22, it started to take on this bigger kind of mission. Um, But at that point, I I think I realized that I just, that wasn't going to be the way it was going to happen for me. It was more of like, just like a really powerful dream. And I, and I definitely deserved it. I worked for it, but you know, it's just, things happen. And I don't think I was really at the level I, I really thought or hoped I was to make that transition. So life intervened. And yeah, to your point, absolutely. Because the work I do now with clients, it's sacred. You know, the coaching experience is a sacred relationship. And so I look back on the on reality and look back on my life and I see where these seeds got planted, you know, and have helped me become the person I am now. That's amazing. Um, I, I believe that too. Uh, 
I think that uh, a coaching relationship is maybe one of the the purest forms of human experience because I mean the the relationship is totally based on one person imparting wisdom and, and helping the other one realize their potential. And I know you're really big into activating human potential, which yeah. uh, we're going to go down there in just a minute. I guess for our listeners, um, you know, we've got a little bit about your background, but you, you made this kind of pivot and you kind of started off just doing an intuitive thing, but there must've been something that caused you to switch. Who was the person or what was the event that got you to dive okay. deep? Yeah. Okay. Great question. So it was really, it was really a few people. I I really got on YouTube, you know, and I started looking at different people promoting various health messages. So at the time I really, I got into Paul Check's work and I started diving into, and that was really, that was really powerful at the time. And, um, and then eventually I, I got tuned more towards the vegetarian path and my friend, my now friend, Marcus Patrick, who, uh, you know, he's just like a physical specimen if there ever was one. And he had a similar spiritual kind of shift from from getting into raw food nutrition. And so he be, he began prophetizing, right, all over the internet. And, uh, and so he started making personal videos that really influenced me a big time. But then ultimately, the biggest catalyst has been David Wolf. I think you know that about me too. Like he's just yep. been the most consistent, powerful voice for this message that I've really, I've really leaned on so much um, as far as, you know, sourcing information and my own interest of becoming like a real researcher. Like I figured that if I really wanted to master this thing, I need to look to other people that have mastered it as well. And so he was a big part of it. And then there, you know, there's a lot of different events and stuff. I, I went to an event in San Francisco which is probably two years after getting into this whole thing that he was speaking at. And that event, actually, that was the first time I got to meet him, which was great. But more powerfully, I got to meet so many people in that industry that um, many of them are now some of my closest friends. So I think that that power of community, like I've been doing this on my own. So finally, it was like, oh, wow, you mean there's other people out there that like, that are doing this, that, that right there kind of, I think that was the biggest catalyst for me. That's a great, uh, you make a great point there. I think for people to to listen, because I think events can really change lives. And of course we live in a digital world and I I always say we're sometimes the most connected, disconnected, uh, you know, generation of, of humanity to this point. And maybe it's moving towards something else, which I believe, but let's talk about events and individuals in the power of that. And is that, would you say that was the event that, that, that kind of galvanized you and said, I want to be that speaker. I want to be on that stage. Totally. I want to be a, 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 an upstanding member in that. Can you describe what that felt like for you? Because now, how old are you at this time? Um, I was about, I think I was about 25 or 20, 26, 26. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That when I think back on that moment that night, there were so many off the wall synchronicities. There were so many there was even paranormal phenomena that was occurring in front of me, kind of like seeing a new veil of reality. Um all kind of, that night was just outrageous, <laughs> really. But I think really what it did for me, not on a conscious level, but I think I left that that night feeling very inspired and feeling very grounded in the direction that I had chose. 
and, and I got a new level of my own potential. I realized like, wow, okay, I could do that too. I could be in front of crowds like this and I could have a bunch of like, you know, vendors like at that event, there was sun, sun warrior. I met for the first time. There was, um, sacred Steve Adler, sacred chocolate. I met him for the first time. He's become one of my closest friends. Um, many other people. So it just awoke this reality of like, wow, this, this is a real career. Like I can actually do this as a real career. Um, and I, so yeah, I definitely planted that seed. So you're, you're 26. You've kind of found your feet, so to speak. Uh, you've kind of found a path. You found a community. You've decided this is what I'm going to do. You decide to write a book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How long? I mean, a book is a monstrous endeavor, and I know your first book was a, a was a monster. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you go? You're obviously an extreme guy. Tell me about what that journey was like. Well, um, quite a journey because there's been lots of reinventions along the way, right? Like, so the first edition that I ever put out was this very small little book called "Activating the Superhuman." I think right. it's still available on uh, Amazon. It shouldn't be, but I think it's still floating around. Um, it's, it was this tiny little thing, but really what it was was almost like a permission slip to myself that I could do this. And I just mm-hmm. need to get that momentum. I need to see it in front of me. And then that book eventually became what at the time was called the Life Food, no, it was the Live It Lifestyle Dropping Diets Forever. That was the the original, mm-hmm. like I would say that was the original book. And then that went into another edition, brand new cover. And then that turned into a brand new book called the, the Life Food Peak Performance System. And I, you know that book very well. It's, it's, a, it's a monster book and an amazing resource. You cover an incredible amount of territory in that book. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. Um, for for our listeners and and if you're looking for a deep dive in, into a lot of realms, Ronnie uh, goes deep and it's it's a fun book. Um, well, that well that just to just to conclude that thought, that book became what is now what I consider my first real book. I feel like that was all just practice and preparation, and it, and self publishing allowed me the opportunity to practice in public. You know, to make mistakes, right. to trip and fall, but to get used to being seen. And that allowed me to now show up in front of anybody or show up in front of hundreds to thousands of people fully seen. And I, so that book became what is now called the Holistic Health Mastery Program, which uh, is 200 pages lighter, um, but still it still like serves as the foundation of, of everything that I share. This is great. So let's talk about the Holistic Health Mastery Program for a second. Um, Who's it for? What's mm. it about? Let's just start with who's, who's, who is it for first, and we'll get to the next questions later. I'll keep it one at a time. Wow. Yeah, well, I definitely I have a difficult time taking the traditional model of like choosing your avatar type of like kind of marketing. That, that, um, you know what I realized recently, actually? I realized that everything that comes through me is first and foremost for me, and who it's for beyond me tends to show up. So that's been an interesting thing that I've realized is that I I can't say it's for one type of person, but I can say that it's for those people very similar to to me in terms of the aspirations that one has for their life. People that really want to know 
what their human potential is and want to expand the boundaries of health potential, of mental, emotional mastery, of and, and obviously of their physiology and neurology and really like become a master of this, this humanoid template we call a body. That's a, that's a, that's a lot. So what is, <laughs> what does what that encompass for our listeners? Like what is, yeah. If, yeah. If, I, if I'm going to, if I'm kind of attracted to this, what am I going to get out of this course? Cool. Okay. So, so the book in the course, well, first of all, the, the book is the first is like kind of the, the, the inception for what became the holistic health mastery uh, course. And that came from directly from a conversation that you and me had in Sedona uh, many years ago, where I was literally just burnt out. I'd given, I was on a book tour um, promoting this book. And I ended up in Sedona, you know, a relationship that I was getting into crashed and burned. And, and I just, I had no way back. <laughs> I just ended up in Sedona and you happened to be there. And we got into a conversation at a coffee shop where you basically helped me see that I've already created such a huge like um, foundation for myself that now is time to really step up and be more of an entrepreneur and, and actually serve people by creating an online platform for education. And so I want to I say that because it's a great synchronicity in this conversation. But the, the actual program is an all-encompassing, very comprehensive online video-based course that covers the spectrum of raw living food nutrition plant-based nutrition, superfood nutrition, and tonic herbalism. And it goes into areas such as, as detoxification strategies, hormone balancing, um, neurological health, and many other areas. Um, but really what, that, what it appears to me is that that program, because of over 200 international students that we have in the program, I can use the people that are in it as a pretty good approximation it's really for people that want to synthesize the best of the best information, strategies, and perspectives on this whole conversation of natural health and nutrition. And they want to synthesize it in a way that's easy to digest. It's easily accessible in the video-based format through our membership site and also want support in their journey. So we also have a support group, um, an online Facebook private group, where there is tons of support. People get to ask questions. They get to feel empowered and supported on their journey. So they don't feel like they're just doing some online course all by themselves, wherever they may be in the world. That's a, that's an amazing resource. I love the power of the internet. And so are you facilitating this uh, for this support group or is that a self-directed group or how's that? It, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of become a self-directed group. Um, I definitely am a part of it and I facilitate um, I check it whenever someone asks a question or something, I'm always scanning through. What I've noticed is that um, because so many of the other students are health coaches and they are naturopaths or whatever profession in the healing arts they're in, they tend to come in um, before I do and answer people's questions and help them and support them. And then if people tag me, I'll do my best to go in and, and really, you know, give my two cents. Um, but because of my other projects, um, in my personal coaching work, I'm not able to be on it 24 seven, like I used to be. Um, but I am definitely available, you know, when need be. 
So for someone who is maybe at that stage in their life where they're looking to make a shift, they're looking to make a difference, because you talk about a lot of things and some very advanced things, right. what are, where does a person get started on their journey? If you, if you had to do it all over again from where yeah. you did, what, what, would, what would speed that journey up for maximum efficiency, do you think? Or what are the basic yeah. tenets of what Ronnie Landis would say about how to activate your human potential? Well, the number one, I think we'll both agree on this, is water. I found that hydration, I mean, just from a biological and cellular standpoint, hydration is the thing that keeps us going. You know, there's, there's like 10 layers of water molecules that surround our cells and they become dehydrated over time. And then our cells basically shrivel away and can lead to mutations, and, and different different disease formations. Um, and so much of that to me is really just demineralization and dehydration. And so I always get people started on water because that seems to be the thing that makes the most amount of shifts. And when I look at raw living food, one of the great things about it is that it's water-rich food, right? So when someone you know drinks a green juice or they have a cucumber or celery or water-rich fruit, they tend to feel better. Their brain is more clear. They're, if they had heart or cardiovascular issues, those tend to improve blood sugar imbalances. I mean, everything that's going awry in the human body is because we're out of balance and we need to bring ourselves back into homeostasis. And I found that proper hydration, it is the thing, right? Everything else is like fish, fish flakes in the water tank. And if you don't clean the water, then the fish flakes, aka the food, it doesn't have the charge and it do, just doesn't, doesn't work as well. That's great. Um, I, I, you know, I found that it's, and it's, it sounds almost so boringly easy. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and when you're, when you're suggesting when people are making that transition, how much water do you have people drink? Yeah. So I, you know, I think it's water is such a fascinating subject and you talk a lot about this as well. I'll tell you a story that I had, which actually imparted this realization into me. And then people can kind of like draw their own conclusions about what kind of water, where they want to go for that. I got really, you know, being a student of David Wolf's for a while, I got into spring water and I had never really that made so much sense to me, but I never really considered that. And then I went on a, a site called findaspring.com with my buddy Hoy. And we were like, we became spring water fanatics. Like we went to every spring we could find in Northern California and Marin and, and Sebastopol and that whole, we, we would literally drive an hour out of the city just to go find a remote spring up like a mile up in a, in a random hill. You know, and, right, but I it was, it. It, but it was so much fun. It like, it, it like activated some kind of naturalistic drive in me to connect back with nature. And finally, after days of trying to find this thing, we finally stumbled upon this spring in uh, Mount Tamalpais in Marin County. And it was like, I don't know, it was like the heavens parted or something. Like it's just, it's just water coming out of an aquifer, out of the womb of the earth, coming off this little rock. And it's like a little spout. And we just put our glass to it. And it was the sweetest tasting water I've ever had. And it, it really like actually taught me something. I realized like, whoa, I've never, ever had water before. I've never actually tasted what water naturally tastes like. And so for me, that became like a direct access to the information 
the information of of nature as it was informing the, that water. Um, so I'm a huge spring water kind of uh, enthusiast. It's just kind of like a, a thing that I love. That's great. Um, but you know, but there's so many different resources and, and your question wasn't necessarily about what the best water is, but I would say as a general rule, find the best water you can find given your circumstances that might be a particular type of filter and you might need to remineralize it or recharge it, whatever the case may be. But my answer is one liter of water every morning. And sometimes, sometimes the people are like, they look at me, they're like, Whoa, that's a lot of water. And it's like, well, you know, if you're not used to doing something, it seems like a lot, but you know, the, the idea is that you're fleshing out all the waste products and byproducts and, and acid, acid crystals in the body and everything else. And you're freeing up the impactions that have built up through dehydration in the intestines. This is why colon hydrotherapy is so important for people because it, it hydrates the intestines, right? And starts to, to di- dilute all that material. But the, but the point is that you have to flush yourself out and then hydrate yourself before you start eating like solid food, um, especially if it's been cooked, broiled, toasted, whatever, because it's going to further dehydrate us. So I'd say like the number one conversation for anybody that's like really wanting to activate their potential is to drink one liter of water first thing in the morning. And do you sip it out through the day or are you focused on getting your water from foods mostly after that? What's Yeah, well, where I'm at now is like most of what I consume is in a liquid form. Mm-hmm. You know, I pretty much eat one meal a day. I'm, I'm, I'm technically fasting, not necessarily calorically fasting all day, but I'm on like a liquid type of diet. So what I do is I do the, the one to two liters in the morning for me because my body just, I just find like I run better in a fasting state for at least the first part of the day. Um, and then I'll have like maybe a green juice. I'll have an herbal tea or an elixir. And then I'll have some kind of smoothie at some point, right? So those are all liquid, liquid vehicles. And I feel like I get everything I need. And then when I want a little satiation, I want to ground, I'll have like a big salad or something later in the day. But even the salad is pretty water rich as well. Got it. So very, very high water rich diet. And um, yeah, that's great. It seems like a lot of health guys when they kind of get to a certain and girls, they get to a certain level that. It, it's, it becomes almost less is more. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. And that wasn't the case when I first got into it because I had like $100 smoothies. I'm tossing like 20, 30 ingredients in it. It's the marine phytoplankton. It's the blue-green algae, the spirulina, the cacao, the maca, the hemp seeds, chia seeds. I mean, like every everything I could get my hands on. Um, and that was all great. I feel like that that like saturated me. And then eventually I started to notice like, okay, I don't really need to eat two salads a day. I don't need to, to have these overarching extravagant smoothies anymore. It's actually, yeah, it's becoming about less is more. And I think that's because my microbiotic health is just improved so much through the years. And I've, I've had some struggles with that too, as I've navigated the, the, the digestive transformation that I've gone through. It hasn't just been like, oh, I got into it and everything was perfect. Old things, like I guess maybe like intestinal wounds that I didn't even know about, the insulation strip started to, to 
uh, started to leave me through cleansing. So now I was more sensitive to things like leaky gut. I was more sensitive to food allergies. If I went off the reservation, had some grains or something. And then I had about a year journey where I had to actually repair my intestinal lining and, and study digestion so much, but it was the best situation ever because I, I became an expert in digestive conditions because I was also writing my book as I was dealing with this year-long issue that would take different forms. So I was obsessively looking into this stuff and through, through my own personal journey, that part, that section of the book, and, and it's something I talk about a lot, was born out of it. Um, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. No, that, no that's good. I want to I dive a little deeper on this one, for example. Would, would you, do you feel that, because, um, you know, there's an old saying that you are what you eat. And I know with our company, with Bioptimizers, you know, we, we solve digestive issues. Yeah. And we believe it's you are what you absorb. What have you learned about digestion in your journey and the importance of it or where, and, and, and I'll add to that, and where people are compromised or what you're seeing as, as a coach and what are the trends yeah. that you're seeing? Well, I've learned a lot about infectious organisms. I've learned a lot about things like candida and the various, the various forms that it can manifest in. I've learned a lot about um, nanobacterium, calcification-causing organisms. I've learned a lot about other viruses, pathogens, parasites. Like, I really got tuned into that world because my friend Dr. Robert Kassar was another, another uh, person on the internet before we, we met and became friends. Um, he was someone I studied a lot, and his whole, his whole thing was about, like, parasites. And I really got he, – he recommended a book to me called Parasite Rex. I've read that book. It's, it's, it's a freaky book. You know, it's a really can kind of freak you out. <laughs> yeah. So that right there was a, that that's always on the tip of my mind when it comes to digestive issues. Cause I don't think they're as simple as like, Oh, you ate the wrong protein. You had a gluten, gliadin, gluten protein, and it's wedged itself into the intestinal lining. And now you have whole proteins floating into your blood. And now you have Hashimoto's or some auto auto, immune condition, like rheumatoid arthritis, whatever. Like I definitely, yeah, obviously that's, that's a, that's a catalyst or a trigger, but I think there's an inner terrain issue where certain organisms like a bacterial infection, like a dysbiosis occurs and it occurs over the trajectory of one's life, right? If we mm -hmm. look at, I don't know what the statistics are at the moment, but if we look at the amount of people that are antibioticized by routine, when, when they're born or, it's, or their mother has an antibiotic and then they're breastfeeding and they don't have that immunological information like the mother's natural colostrum or natural um, probiotics to inform that child's immune system, then eventually, I, I, you know, if you look, I'll say it this way, Wade, there's so many different thoughts coming to me, but this is my basic assumption is that everybody that grew up on a standard American lifestyle, including the medical interventions and the diet, have a dysbiosis or have had if they haven't healed it. And a lot of the foods that people are eating um, are, are masking. They're, they're cosmetically masking the symptoms that would alert somebody that they have an infection or they have a digestive compromise. Um, that's kind of a just... That's, Can you give an example of that? Because that's a pretty profound statement. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, take it back to something like the probiotic intervention, right? What we know about, or I mean, I'm sorry, um, the antibiotic intervention, the word antibiotic basically means anti-life. And the word probiotic means pro-life, which is why I love your proteolytic probiotics. Um, and And that, by the way, just on a side note, the enzymes and probiotics have been extraordinarily influential in everything I do. I mean, way beyond just like digestive health, but it starts in the digestion. And that, that had become a huge tool for me and my own, my own kind of healing process. Um, but, you know, I just look at it from a common sense perspective. You know, when somebody, when somebody starts to go on a healing path, like I just alluded about mine, and they start, they start basically abstaining from all the byproducts of civilization, you know, the processed food, factory farm, animal food, um, soda and, and tap water and all that stuff. Then they start to wake up to their own sensitivities and their body will start to alert them about their own digestive compromise or their immune system compromise. That's that, so I'm going to go, go back just pull back yep. a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, so yeah. what would be an example where okay. somebody is masking, um, okay. a deeper condition? Thank you. Thank you. Um, constipation. Do you find right. a lot of people are constipated? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a secret though, right? Like people are right. very secretive about it. Like they like after a lecture or something, they might come up and be like, Hey, you know, I, I, you know, I I'm only going to the bathroom like once a day or once every two days or i've heard crazy things where people are only going like once a week yeah um medical doctors (laughs) (laughs) absolutely deck doctors don't lie right (laughs) that's another another great uh, that was another great uh, book uh, or excuse me audio uh yeah yeah so that 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 right there if you want to get like right to the right to the core of it if you have like elimination issues, which I did, which is what, that's why I say that because I'm using my own, my own experience to reflect back what I believe, at least for me, that is true for most people is that when you have issues eliminating, then you know that the transit, the transit is blocked up, right? So from that point, you know, okay, there's something going on digestively that is, that is out of balance, and now for a Bioptimizer's fixed digestion tip, supercharge your protein shake. Everyone knows protein shakes are a great way to sneak in extra protein, build more muscle, even replace meals and burn more fat. The problem is the highest quality protein typically absorbs at around 40%. One way to fix this and dramatically increase how quickly and effective your protein shake digests is to add two to three capsules of masszymes into your shake. One research study showed that pre-digested protein during a meal increased muscle growth significantly. To take advantage of this, just blend the open capsules into your shake and within 15 minutes or less, the enzymes will have begun to break down the protein into amino acids. This can make your shakes at least two to three times more potent. Some people do this and sip on their shake while lifting to provide their muscles with a steady stream of amino acids during their workout. To save 10% on masszymes, use the code SHAKE10, that's S-H-A-K-E-1-0, at masszymes.com. That's SHAKE10 at masszymes.com. If someone is listening to this, and how would they know 
what is say healthy elimination practices like how many times a day versus not healthy what in your opinion what would you say yeah well from what i've read there's there's kind of bare bones um i guess data on what would be considered um you know how many times you should defecate every day i think the the simple answer is like three or four you know like really solid stools Mm -hmm. right and and that's what and that's what i started to experience after i overcame my congestion issues and healed my gut I started to have solid stools two to three to four, sometimes on a really amazing day, like five times a day. And um, that, so I would say like, you know, in someone's body, everyone can feel right when they're holding something like they're holding resentment, they're holding some kind of emotional turmoil. Well, then it'll cause our body to start holding as well. And I found, you know, just on this note, and I think it'll be of a lot of value to people as I've gone through my personal, my interpersonal journey, I realized that I was holding on to a lot of baggage, holding on to a lot of broken dreams and resentment. And that was also causing me to contract. And Chinese medicine talks about this. That caused me to contract digestively. And I had to work both avenues together to heal my heart, if you will, and also to heal my body. Um, but back to your question, I, I think, you know, like three times a day on average, you know you're doing, and when you feel light, right? You feel like you're not backed up. That's great. You touched on something there. So and I'm going to come back to it in a second. So um, we've had hydration, dealing with digestion. One more thing would you say, uh, like a critical factor if someone's getting started on that journey or want to go to the next level uh, to, towards activating their human health potential? Okay, so once they've gotten on water, like what's the next kind of step to if they have like a digestive issue per se? Well, let's say we let's say we've covered digestion. So let's look at okay. a, let's yep. look at the next area. Okay, cool. So from my perspective, I would say start introducing organic living food into your diet. And so for me, what that looks like is fresh fruits and vegetables, soaked and sprouted nuts and seeds. Um, you know, sprouts like grass sprouts um, fermented foods like those, that category right there in green vegetable juices. Like if somebody starts to integrate that, those categories of food and just replace what they do already and just introduce like one green leafy salad a day and have it topped up with some kind of fermented vegetables and, you know, some good healthy raw fats like avocado or olives or cold pressed extra virgin olive oil as a dressing instead of like the traditional ranch dressing that's loaded up with 10 preservatives and and is pasteurized and homogenized and it might glow in the dark if you test it. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, would you so basically we're talking, uh, start with the water, get your digestion figured out. Um, yeah have a, you know, kind of like a big leafy green salad or whatever that attraction. And you touched on one thing in your own journey when you, you were pounding these mega smoothies. How, how important do you think that was for your journey of where you are today? Obviously, you exude an extending level of health. Um, so how was important what's that? Yeah, well, you know, it actually goes back to something you had mentioned to me many years ago in the first interview we did together for my podcast way back when. And you were, you were talking about how the body has to 
almost like acclimatize or has to acclimate to plant-based protein, right? We were talking about from like a bodybuilding perspective and that statement always stuck with me. It just made so much sense. It's like, yeah, that's, that's really the crux of the matter is that people have challenges on vegetarian and vegan diets a lot of times because it's not because meat has more, more protein or better protein or anything like that. It's because people's, people haven't, haven't um, acclimated to the plant-based um, proteins. And so your advice in that interview was to have somebody start doing two, three, maybe even four times like a plant-based powdered protein in their smoothies. And I think that that really goes to the, to the root of it is that somehow my intuition was just telling me and my excitement was just telling me like load up, play with this, immerse yourself, go full on into this and find out what it will do to you. Because I just wanted to find out what would happen. Would I become superhuman if I downed a bottle of marine phytoplankton? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So that was kind of my my logic. And and then eventually just natural inclination took over. My body just started to like kind of shift into this, this model of like intermittent fasting. However, I don't know that I could have made that radical of a shift if I didn't saturate myself completely before. Yeah, I think a lot of people um, get the idea that somehow that they can starve their way to another level of health and then they end up in, in, yes. in a very restricted, you know, the, the initial benefits of reducing maybe a toxic diet. And then all of a sudden they, they assume that just reducing, reducing, reducing is going to get them where you want to go. But I've noticed the pattern and maybe you can concord with this, is that people who have experienced super health, number one, they tend to be extreme by nature. And I think you'd say you're extreme. Totally. Uh, yeah. Number two, they kind of go through a lot of the restrictions and experiments. And then there's a stage where they just, they, they just kind of like consume information and products and herbs. And, they, and there's kind of almost like a loading phase. And then, <laughs> and then you kind of go through a refinement phase. Would that be fair assessment that you've totally. noticed? I think, I think that's the, that is a, spot on accurate. That's exactly what I think we go through the the cycles and seasons, right? So like Mm -hmm. our biology has a season, it has a cycle to it. Our hormones have a cycle, our, our, our just, you know, nature obviously has a cycle and season. I think our own inner nature of inquisitiveness, of curiosity and wanting to learn and apply information or things that we're excited about, we go through cyclical processes. So there is that phase where you're like super excited about something new and you're just immersing yourself and you're borderline obsessing about it, but you're passionate about it, right? So you're just taking everything in like a sponge. And then there becomes like a saturation point where you've reached a limit of like, I don't know if it's practicality or sensibility or just like you're so... It's almost like, okay, we need, to, we need to integrate everything that we've, we've taken in and start putting it into practice and just see what happens. So, like we, so our conviction isn't just based on theory. It's not just based on enthusiasm, but we can actually draw from our own experience. And as, as someone who, wants, who wanted to be and is now a public figure, I knew that I would have to be a symbol for my message. I would have to be the best role model for my particular message. And that meant that I couldn't just talk about things because I read it in a book, although that's kind of part of it intellectually. I had to experience it. I had to know this viscerally and embody it 
Um, otherwise, you know, this wasn't going to work. So for me, I think it just took that natural maturity. I just had to actually mature through my own, through the information and through my own vision until I realized like, okay, there's, there's an ebb and flow. Like right now I'm in, I'm in study student mode, soak it all up. And then it's like, okay, I've matured with this information or this amount of food as the case may be. And now I want to explore more subtle energies. I want to explore intermittent fasting. I want to explore how to turn my body into a free energy generating device where I don't need, I don't need tons of input to get maximum output. I want Mm -hmm. to see what's possible um, within, within my, this, this, this amazing instrument. That's a whole topic on itself. I know we'll, we'll we'll revisit that probably in another podcast. Um, What are some mistakes or your biggest mistakes that you think you've made along the way or that you've noticed students make along the way? Um, Specifically in terms of like my health, health. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, just, just, just things that you look back now and it's, you know, I always use the term, it seemed like a good idea at the time, but that, that ended up being a fail. (laughs) (laughs) There's no, there's no real fail, but it was an experiment that didn't produce the result that we thought it might. I, I would say for me, it's it's having a, having an addictive personality. Um, I, I think there might be a better way of phrasing that, but that's the common kind of that's the common um, term. Is when we are extreme, a lot of times we have addictive patterns, and it's not like addiction in the way that I am not in control. It's that I am seeking pleasure. I'm avoiding pain. Right. right. So. Okay, something that feels really pleasurable. I'll say this, um, and I don't talk about that, that that often, but when I got into coffee, thank you, Dave Asprey, um, for that. I, I've, I've departed from that kind of thing, I'm so happy to say. Right. Um, but, but, I got, but it was really interesting when I got into it um, because it felt – I never drank coffee before. I never really – I was like a totally right. opposed to coffee. It was like totally toxic. It was – that whole story. And then I got into it because my, my, my buddy Hoy um, gives me a call and um, he's just like, dude, have you heard about this biohacking and, and, and there's coffee with butter and, <laughs> and right. this whole thing. And so I, I came over and I tried it and we were just freaking out. We we're like, oh my God, like this is the most amazing. And then we're like, oh, let's put herbs into it. Like they're, they don't even, they're not doing that. Let's put like tonic herbs in. And then it became kind of a, an experiment, but, but what ended up happening is that I definitely got really um, excessive about it to the point where um, I would, I would be doing it behind closed doors. I wouldn't be talking about it. I'd be talking about something else, but I would also be drinking coffee through the day. And yeah, it was definitely an experiment. And that would be something that I would caution to people that are super excited that are that do have a little bit of a, an extreme or even addictive type of tendency is that you just get to the point where um, you know your limits and you're willing to abstain from seeking pleasure if it if it starts to biologically bankrupt you. Like my serotonin and dopamine receptors were definitely starting to receive compromise. I was experiencing a little bit of adrenal fatigue. Um, and I did, but but the biggest mistake wasn't those things. The mistake was over was um, how do you say it? it was not paying attention to right. what was that life was obviously trying to tell me, and then other people would start telling me, and um, it just took me a long time to really own up to the own up to that fact. 
you talk about a couple things, um, neurotransmitters and fatigue or adrenal fatigue that was showing up. And, and did this show up? When did this show up? And I, 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 I want to want to put words in your mouth. Did this correlate with the coffee drinking? Did you fa- did you feel? For sure, for yeah. sure. I'm not going to say it was. It wasn't because of coffee. It was, but there is a definite correlation. When did that show up for you? Like, if you could explain that journey, because there's a lot of people yeah. on this one, and I think it's a big, big, it's a big okay. one. Yeah. Well, one of the things I told uh, I told someone uh, yesterday, I think, is he was kind of shaming himself about drinking coffee, and I just kind of told him I was like, well, you know, first of all, if you're going to do something, then do it like it's holy. Like if you're going to do it, then don't, don't create an acidic environment in your body and in your soul and then do it because then you're going to create identity conflicts within yourself. So, so that was one. But then I, I, I also said, and another thing, when it gets to the point where you feel like you need the coffee, that's the point where you need to pull back. If it's something that's pleasurable, you enjoy it and you don't have a jitteriness, you feel like it's just like an enhancement and it's fun. Awesome. Cool. Have at it. But to the point where it gets where you feel like you need it to function and, um, it, and it's like you, you're not happy by nature and you need that stimulation to get your dopamine um, pathways back online and, and to feel good and to focus and that kind of thing. That's when um, you're going into a deficit. So, so and that's what happened to me. That that's a that's a great point, and that's going to be a different journey for different people, to, depending on where they are, what's their supportive stuff. And like some people can kind of get away with things for a long time. Some people have zero tolerance. But you define that with with that with that particular point when when you when you feel that you need X to be happy. Would you say? That could be applied to a lot of things, would you say? I was, I was just thinking that when you said it, I was like, and that, that could apply to almost anything. Wow. That's, that's the golden nugget of the day right there. Um, <laughs> I want to pause for a second let people let that in. When you think mm. that you need something X, whatever that is, to feel happy and normal, then you know you've kind of slipped past optimization you've gone over the board and you went to addiction. That's that, that would be the red line. Yeah. And, and that would apply to almost like, have you seen this in other areas of your life at any time? Every, every area of my life. I, I look at life holographically. There was a great book that landed on my, my bookshelf a while ago called the holographic universe by Michael Talbot. I've, I've read that book. It's an amazing book. Absolutely. And so one of the interesting kind of views on reality that I, I, I use life as a reference for what's going on internally and, and how I'm affecting the whole and the whole is affecting the micro being me. And so from that perspective, you know, in the obvious ways it shows up is like in sex and in, in, um, in not even just sex, quote unquote addictions, but, but intimacy, like needing somebody else to fill a void, needing that touch or that camaraderie or that, that, yeah, that intimacy, like that's a huge one. I've, I've, I've struggled with that. Anyone that knows me well knows that um, I'm happy to share. And I'm sure later in my, my career, I'll probably, I'll probably focus more attention as I'm in a relationship and, and maybe start a family. I'll, I'll talk more about that, but that's one that I definitely have felt a lot of self-induced suffering around. And I've seen how that's led to things like excessive tobacco or excessive 
Um, no, I don't drink alcohol, but for other people, excessive alcohol or, or food addictions, really what it comes down to, to me, Wade, if you want to chunk it down, is about all the ways that we avoid ourselves and we medicate and sedate our, our, our emotions so we don't have to feel the pain that really just wants to be felt and acknowledged so we can actually get back to what it is to be really happy and really joyful without needing an exterior stimulant to temporarily feel those states. Wise words, wise words. So um, we're coming up on the top of the hour. So I want to hit a couple of, uh, of quick bullets uh, and you can just like try and keep the answer real short. Like it'll be just like, um, most influential person in your health career? I'll just say David Wolf. Most interesting field that you're studying right now in health? Mm. Um, calcification and nanobacteria. Newest health practice that you're doing now? Oh, that's, oh, oh, um, I'm, I'm awaiting my neurophone and my sensory sensor V pendant from Dr. Patrick Flanagan. So I would actually that, that I'll keep it short, but neuro, not neuro hacking, but neuro optimization, um, is, is my primary focus now. Cause I'm, I, I need to activate genius. So, you know, the world needs us. I got to get on, on the game here. So it's a great machine. Uh, I have one and uh, Patrick is a, is a good friend of mine. He actually edited a part of my book, which is uh, awesome on water of all things. I saw <laughs> that. I, re- I read that book. That was, that's an incredible book on water. Thanks. Thing that makes you most happy related to your health. Oh yeah. See if I can find the words. I can feel the state. It's like, it's a state of grace. It's when I feel so clear in my mind there's nothing inducing it. I just feel clear. I feel free and, and like levitational in my body and my joints and my digestion. Like my body feels optimal and I'm just in a state of grace. That's a great one. Favorite health food. Man, that's, that's a tough one. I love chocolate. I love cacao. Yeah. Okay. I think that's it. Durian, durian, durian fruit. This, this is it real quick. Coconut, durian, cacao, honey smoothie. That sounds uh, pretty good. I want to go have one right now. Most influential book towards your career? There's a few coming up, but there's, um, if I had to say one book, the one that always comes to mind is As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. Okay, and most influential health book because that's kind of it is a health book on one level. It's how you think, but what would you say from a health perspective? Um, I would say the Sun Food Diet Success System by David Wolf because when that came out, that became the tome on living food nutrition and the overall lifestyle and the beautiful visual. It's like it was like the first thing that tapped me into like an expanded artistic vision of what this was about. That's the moment it no longer became a diet and it became like a a purpose. So that book has had the most influence on, on the way I think about it. Most underappreciated health science. And you think I would say water. I mean, because like you mentioned, it's like so obvious. It's so stupid, simple. It's opaque. All water looks like the same thing. Um, 
And people believe that they know something about water, you know, um, where we're just finding out that it's the most anomalous thing ever. Um, but it's the most, it's the, as we mentioned before, it's the most integral aspect of the human biology. And it's also something that's so maligned in so many different ways. And I think it's the, so from that perspective, when I think of underappreciated, I think water is underappreciated. Great answer. Weirdest health thing you've ever done. (laughs) Well, um, I got, uh, when I was at this healing retreat in Texas, I, I was the only one at this retreat, um, the whole time. And and I was teaching there and then the, there was a colon hydrotherapy and open an open system that you can modulate yourself and they left the door open. So when everyone would go home, I would sneak in and I would give myself self-administered colonics. And I did about like 10 in a couple weeks. Wow. It was like, it, yeah, I won't do that again, but that right there, I think that was that that's one of one of the tops for sure. Most fun health practice that you in the past or present. Oh. Well, I definitely associate fun as like activity, something in motion, right? So when I'm in that state of freedom physically and mentally, then you know, what I would, what I would say, I guess, is some form of like physical activity, like sprinting up a hill. You know, I, I'll just tell you what I did yesterday. I was at the, or two days ago over here in Kauai, I went to uh, the Hanakape Falls, which is this majestic four mile hike up through the mountains into the bamboo forest, up through hopping on across rivers. And you're in this real jungle. And then I, I turn a corner and there's this massive waterfall staring at me. This, I have, I have pictures of it. I'll share, but this massive waterfall. And I felt so good in my body and my spirit and my mind because I was healthy enough to get there. I jumped into the big body. I mean, if you know, just look it up for people. You know, if you're considering going to Kauai, this is something you have to do once in your life. I jumped into the, the ice cold water, swam underneath the waterfall, and just basked in the glory of it. And I'd say, you know, that that's what comes to mind. I think over everything, that moment in ice cold water, swimming in ice cold water, I think is like is one of the most powerful things that I. I do that actually brings me joy. That's, that's an awesome experience. I've kind of went there in my mind. What's your daily routine look like today that allows you to kind of live the vibrancy that you're living? Yeah. So a typical day for me right now, because I've traveled around so much, it kind of forms itself to my environment. And uh, so right now, um, what it typically will look like is I'll wake up, you know, somewhere between maybe five and six. Um, I will drink a liter of water, half a liter of water. I'll do one tablespoon of activated charcoal and I'll mix that with another glass of water. I'll throw that back. Um, I'll take maybe 20 proteolytic bio-optimizers enzymes, by the way, those are the only enzymes I really care to use at this point. Um, and you know, I'll just, whatever little supplements I'm playing with, at the time, um, you know, Qualia, Neurohacker, or, or whatever, whatever, you know, I like to play around with these things. Um, but then from there, I'll probably read, I'll meditate for at least 30 minutes, 10 to 20 or 30 minutes, depending on the day. 
um, I'll read a little bit because I feel like Jim Rohn left us with a great quote, which was, skip a meal, but don't ever skip your reading. And I, I really feel like that's an underappreciated nutrition for the mind. Um, and then I'll go work out. I'll go to the gym. I'll lift some, I'll lift weights. I'll, um, I'll power through a workout and then go to the beach maybe. Um, that's a bit, that's a general throw, but from there I typically will go right into work mode around nine thirty or 10 and jam out on the computer, do whatever I need to do, do interviews, um, you know, work with clients. The, the days are all, all structured a little differently, but that's how I start my day. Great. And, and how, would you, how would you unwind at the end of the day? And when would that day kind of slow down? Okay. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know if I ever unwind. You know, it's kind of like I heard John Martini recently. I just had him on my podcast and we were talking about this uh, idea of like, what do you do to chill out? And he's like, I don't chill out. I'm living my purpose. I don't need to chill out. Like I'm just fully in it. And so that's kind of my answer. But, you know, from a from a physical standpoint, um, around maybe six or seven, I'll, I'll, it's like dinner, right? Like eating a salad. And then I might watch a documentary or, or something that's either stimulating or not stimulating. It's, it's just something I, I'm just kind of chilling out doing. Um, and you know, reading, reading or something like I'm, I find, I find for me, I way rather be fully engaged in my life and in my path and my purpose in everything I do, which is why I can't date anymore. I just realized that recently. I realized like, I just cannot date anymore. It's done. That part of my life is over. I'll wait for my wife to show up. But like, I, it's because it's just such a distraction because like my purpose is calling me 24 seven. Um, and that might sound overwhelming to a lot of people, but I guess what I'm saying is that when you love what you do and you find a way to make your, your work play, you'll never work another day. So I, although yes, it is hard work, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like I'm really fulfilling my, my purpose on the planet. And, um, it helps me actually get to sleep better because I don't have these thoughts or these concerns that are keeping me up all night. How much do you sleep at night? Ideally, I'd like to get to the point where I'm only sleeping four hours, but you know, I'm not, I'm no longer forcing that process. <laughs> I hope just eventually it gets to that point, but right now it's, it's between six and eight hours. That's an amazing array of information. You got a great day. Any final words that you'd like to share with our listeners if, uh, that are looking to activate awesome health and also we'll check into you know, how to get a hold of you, where to reach you, all that sort of mm -hmm. stuff. So, yes. So I have a book that's about to release mid-May called the Inner Alchemy Youthening Program. And I'm actually looking at the, the, the proof copy on my computer screen. I'm totally blown away. And one of the, one of the things that I focused in on that book that I'm, I'm looking at right now um, or before this interview was this idea that your level of vitality is directly correlated to your congruency in life. So your thoughts, words, and actions all in alignment create like almost like if you can imagine in your chakra system, you're the, the flow of energy in your body. There is, there's dams that dam up that flow. And a lot of it is because of incongruent thoughts, incongruent emotional patterns that 
keep us out of harmony with what we're here to do on the planet. And so from that standpoint, I really believe that the greatest thing we can do for our health is identify what our path and mission on the planet is, and then to come into alignment, to actually give ourselves to it. However, that is revealed, whether that's just revealed through like being nice to people and, and smiling opposed to frowning, right? Um, and just being courageous enough to be happy. Um, and then if, if it reveals itself even more as like this mission, then then having the courage and the faith to know that that's not by accident and you can give yourself to it and, and your life will work, work better. And I feel like um, nutrition is like a, as an uh, amplifier to that, you know, but it's not a substitute. We can't, we can't really truly be vitally healthy if we're confused about if we're cosmically illiterate, right? We don't know what we're doing here on the planet, but we're eating the best food. So, you know, it's, and I've seen that play out. You've seen that play out. We've all seen that play out in our subculture where people are medicating themselves through the best food ever, but they're, they're internally not aligned. So I hope that answers. Really, really wise words and great things. How do they, uh, how do we find you? Uh, Where, where do you on the WW waves? You got any, how do we access? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my personal website is uh, RonnieLandis.net. And that's my, my platform that has my podcast on it. It has, it has tons of like free media, free content. And then um, you can access my online courses that way. My main flagship course, as we mentioned, is the Holistic Health Mastery Program, which is HolisticHealthMastery.com. And if any of this really piques someone's interest and they're look, looking to achieve a certain level of mastery in their, in their health, in their, their, their career, maybe they're inspired to be a health coach or something like that, then I would just invite them to go to that website and just check it out. And if it feels right to you, then reach out or, or enroll, you know, just go with what feels correct. Um, and then other than that, YouTube, type my name in. I have a YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, uh, that's great. We'll uh, include all those for our listeners in the show notes. Um, Ronnie, uh, it's great to have you on the show. I'm really uh, delighted that you took the time out of your day in beautiful Kauai to join us today. You dropped some real great wisdom uh, for our listeners. I know that some of them are probably going to jump in on your course and take advantage of all the wisdom that you've uh, accumulated and put down. You really poured your heart out of that. It's an amazing course. Thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it uh, that you came out here to the Awesome Health Podcast Show. And I do believe that you will be on again in the very near future. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Wade. My pleasure. And now for a Bioptimizer's fixed digestion tip. How to get away with eating sugar. Hey, look, sugar is normally one of the worst things for you. But let's be honest. I mean, we all cheat from time to time. And here's a little trick that will ensure your body benefits from the sugar. Now, before you eat or drink anything sweet, take five to eight capsules of P3OM. The patented strain in the formula devours sugar so fast, it literally doubles in the body every 20 minutes in the presence of sugar. That doesn't mean that you can or you should eat a bunch of sugar or sit around all day doing that. But on the days that you do cheat or you go and go after one of those maybe meals that you wouldn't normally do, this ensures that you get something in your gut that eats the sugar. And it's not going to feed the bad guys or spike your blood glucose nearly as much. 
So to learn more about P3M and its sugar-devouring and protein-digesting properties and how it can transform your gut and metabolism, go to www.bioptimizers.com. Thank you for listening to the Bioptimizers Awesome Health Podcast. You can find more information at bioptimizers.com.